Don't worry, I'm a good slime. This is the Awesome Cast. Welcome to the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. I'm Basil. I'm Kevin. I'm Dylan. And I'm heavily medicated. And that's us. Because here at the Awesome Cast, we always take our medication. Damn right. Or medicinal herbs, depending on the era that we're recording in. Because we just watched ourselves some Dragon Quest, and we're going to be talking about it. But we'll be talking about it a little bit later. I know I always mention these things at the end, but I also want to mention these things at the beginning. Like, for the ex- example, we do have a Discord. AwesomeCast has a Discord. We talk about it in the show notes. Occasionally, I'll mention it on the Twitters. But if you use Discord and you want to chat with us, Discord is a really good way to do it. We were building an awesome little community. And man, Dylan has been knocking out the park with some good food shots. I mean, it's not just been me. It's been Charlie and Jen and oh man, whoever else. God, if you want to eat some cake, Jen has got some. Mwah, like it is just, damn. We're now accepting food... orders. Now accepting commissions. <laughs> We're secretly a food podcast masquerading as like a geek podcast. Man, maybe that's what we need to do to make that money. Or you could check out our Patreon and give us money. <laughs> Excellent segue. A plus plus plus. Ah, thank you. Thank you. But no, you can also find us at awesomecast.com. Another really wonderful way to help is if you all could go to whatever podcatcher you may use. Or even if you don't use it, go on iTunes or Apple whatever's or Spotify or Stitcher and give us all the stars. Just 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 whatever stars is max, just max that on out for us. Leave a review. You don't have to say how good we are. You can say how awesome slimes are. That's fine. Just just give us those good, good reviews. Like, on just how well Kevin sings the moment of awesome theme. It's a moment of awesome. Moments of awesomes are just something that we really enjoyed and really want to talk about for a moment. And I know Dylan's raring to go. Oh, no. I actually have uh, two parts on mine. Oh, sweet. Well, let's get part one going. Uh, one, I'm going to re-up uh, Laid Back Camp since season two is going on. I actually feel like it's been better than season one. You get all those good, good shots of driving through the countryside and cooking over a fire. And and they actually managed to do some more interesting things with the story. Group comes together in season one. Season Two has work schedules, splitting them up and creating tension. Really good feel-good watch during the pandemic because over the last year, I would have been taking uh, taking small hiking day trips occasionally, sort of the way Ren does. And this is filling in that gap. Uh, thing I really want to talk about, though, is I had a write-up all prepared for something else. And then uh, this took over my life. Valheim, you guys. 
Valheim. Can, can confirm it's taken over Dylan's life. It's so good. It it's so it's I know it's the hot new thing, and my first instinct was to write it off, but it is extremely, extremely my thing. It has a strong Minecraft feel with a focus on exploration and crafting. Uh, but it also has a more linear main story quest and tech tree because you're trying to summon a series of boss fights. And each of those bosses is tied to a particular terrain type or biome. So you start out in the meadows, you gather wood and stone so you can hunt boar and deer. And then once you beat the deer God boss, you have to uh, search out the black forest or black forest areas where you can mine copper and explore burial crypts and get, you know, the next set of, of uh, resources you need. Really nice graphics, really impressive weather effects that feel oppressive, but not completely unfair. Uh, some nice touches that might be a bit fiddly for some people. For example, when you finally build the raft, sailing uses a rudder and a sail rather than like a simple WASD character controller. I loved it. Other people might might get frustrated. But what really makes this game great is multiplayer. Every time I've played Minecraft multiplayer, it turns into everyone sets up kind of their own little kingdom. Whereas this is very much coordinated. It's got this grindy linear tech tree. So everyone kind of has to coordinate someone might be building someone might be gathering resources you know whatever the next thing is that's out there and a lot of the fun comes from near misses and just cheesing the system the first time you run from a giant troll is terrifying then you figure out some way to beat him before you're able like building a log wall and then and peppering him with arrows while he's trying to find out how to get to you and then eventually you're forming honey parties and it's great. Um, like I've had fun backing up my raft to an area of black forest shoreline that I want to explore, sneaking around and exploring and then using it as a getaway. As soon as I get just surrounded by skeletons and trolls and, and gray dwarves, man, just really good. It's early access. It has some issues, but it's only $20. Like it, it's it's worth it so when is this going to become the next big these are video games stream you would have to ask mike mike's the one running the server i i would i would replace every stream with this because it's it's <laughs> well i mean it sounds like it's just laid back camp only it's a video game no it, it's it no it's, <laughs> it's pretty brutal back. it is not laid back but it is um i don't know <laughs> Well, it sounds like both sides of camping, the cute stuff and feasting upon the blood of your enemies. <laughs> Fair. Look, but, I've been in Boy Scouts. I know what's up. It's cool. Yeah. But have birds stolen your boat yet? Is that a thing that can happen? Apparently some people are. Re I, I just actually saw this day reporting their boats not being where they left them. And apparently there's a glitch involving the birds landing on the boats and taking control of the boats and just I, driving the boats off somewhere. <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. And now I'm 
kind of scared that I'm going to get stuck somewhere. Um, oh, Early access. I don't know old. how common it is, but. <laughs> no, I've, I've had a, like, I've camped out on an island and had a boat just disappear into, like, break apart into resources. So I don't know if it got attacked or what, but I've never had a bird drive a boat. I've tried to, uh, we've tried to balance a, a, a resource cart on a boat. Nice. Kevin, what you got? Well, okay. I don't know if it's precisely awesome, but, you know, I, I watched this last night and today, so everyone has to hear about it. Um, <laughs> it's a docu-series on Netflix called Age of Samurai Battle for Japan. That, that's supposed to be about the Sengoku era, good old Warring States period. You know, everyone's favorite part of Japanese history. Well, I don't know. At least it sure seems like sometimes. And it's kind of like that Roman Empire thing I talk, talked about. It's got like, it's half historians talking about stuff and half dramatic scenes and acted by, done by actors to show what's going on. And, you know, it'd probably be really good if, once again, I wasn't burdened with a knowledge of Japanese history. Because <laughs> it's like the first three episodes are about Oda Nobunaga. And I know way too damn much about Oda Nobunaga. And they're making, like, casual mistakes. <laughs> huh. Fucking filthy but casuals. At least play yeah. a Sengoku Basara game. Come on, y'all. Like, they, they can't help but take a couple of minutes to just, like, give, like a long and loving description of the samurai as being like some of the greatest warriors of all time and how awesome they are and, you know, debatable, but I'm kind of on the Osamu Tezuka page of the samurai in the Warding States period were assholes. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> and of course, they also want to tell us that the katanas were basically magic. And yeah, that's like, <laughs> well, no, they're really well crafted out of really crap material. <laughs> and it's sort of a, but uh, what really bugged me is they completely left out Mori Ranmaru, uh, Oda Nobunaga's page slash lover, because, you know, Oda Nobunaga, like, you know, was totally into men and women. Uh, <laughs> but they want us to know he did bang women a lot. That is it's a like, weird thing to emphasize. Yeah. T totally into ladies. Yeah. They also got his death wrong, but admittedly that's a little debated. But <laughs> like he t he did burn to death, though. You didn't have like the guy who betrayed him standing over him, seeing his dead body with his head cut off. Like he deliberately got himself burned to death in a fire, so no head could be retrieved because that's how they rolled back then. They took your head and went, "Ha ha! I killed this guy. I have his head." <laughs> he was like, "Screw you guys! I'm taking my head and I'm leaving." Yeah. After we got past the part of history I knew real well, it was very entertaining. And although I was questioning everything I saw from then on. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, this is a rousing endorsement. Like It's like, I don't know. It's like, you know, I was going to talk about Bravely Default 2. That's awesome. But I watched this today, so you got to hear me complain about it a little bit. <laughs> eh, that's fair. So, you know, I didn't really like it that much. Uh... Wasn't really awesome, but, you know, here we are. Yeah, but, you know, so buy Bravely Default 2. We'll probably talk about that more in a future awesome cast someday anyways. <laughs> that is that is absolutely true. As my mode of awesome is, I guess I'll get into it now, as Ease 9, Monstrum Knox. 
Right now it's on the PlayStations. Eventually it'll hit Windows and the Nintendo Switch, but I'm... You, do you think they'll ease their way into it? Ah, uh, well, I mean, after trying to play Ease 8 on the Switch, it was not easy. As it did not, I mean, it ran as well as it probably could have. But trying to play Ease 8 on the Switch, but now also playing Ease 9 on my PS5? Wow. I, I, sense some, I sense some uneasiness about Ease 8. <laughs> Ease 8 was fine. It was good. And for a lot of folks, it's like the Ease game to buy. But I'm really, really enjoying Ease 9, Monstrum Knox. Because it sort of takes the whole Ease action role-playing game gameplay. But also marries it with just a just a sousson of Assassin's Creed. Or also potentially Spider-Man, depending on how you look at it. Because, so, for E's, or Y-S, as you may perchance spell it, because that's how they spell it. You play as Adol Christian, the man and who has this shocking, you know, red hair. And has a just unnatural ability to just get shipwrecked on a moment's notice. He may not even be in a ship. <laughs> Shipwrecked and doesn't remember shit about himself. And so, in this case, him and his buddy Dogie are just strolling up to this city. Show me how to Dogie. He will. <laughs> and you show it to this uh, city, uh, Baruch? I think it's what it's called. Anyway, it's like this prison city. Because, like, there's this big, it's known for this old fortress that's now being used as a prison. And he immediately gets arrested. Because everyone's like, wait, you're Adel Christian? You're, like, mixed up in every important thing that's ever happened to us in the past, like, I don't know, nine, eight video games. This is the ninth. We're just going to put you in jail just to be safe. So that (laughs) nothing can go wrong. Uh, kind of like that pl- 2000. This is the actual plot to uh, Evangelion 3.0. <laughs> I was gonna say it's also kind of like the uh, the the sort of the the tw- the 2000 Slayer series where some kingdom just decided being Lena Inverse was a crime. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he gets jailed. The person talking to Adol is constantly going like, "Do you know how many boats you crash?" Like, <laughs> you've got to be a criminal. Tell me more about your nefarious deeds. Is it true you killed gods? Like, it's very much of going through all the various games he's been through without really calling out exactly what he's done. But it gives you a real idea of how well he's done. Because he immediately figures out how to break out to, out of this prison. <laughs> And as he's breaking out of this prison, this one lady goes, Aha, you're Adolf Christian. I need you. And she shoots him down. Only, it's a magic bullet that gives him superpowers. Yeah, like you do. Because he's now a monstrum. Which means that, A, you're now trapped in this city due to this curse. But it also gives you sweet-ass powers. Which is where they... All your special abilities, which normally he would just do anyways because he's Adolf Christian. But now it's tied to him being this monstrum. But it also gives you, as the game goes on, 
you meet all the waifus for, for Adol. And each one comes with their own unique movement skill. So, as you go through this game, it all takes place in this gigantic city. And for an Ease game, this city is, like, gigantic. It is huge. Large portions are, you know, cordoned off for game for gameplay purposes. So, as you meet more waifus, they give you the ability to move around the city. And that also opens up the city. But you eventually get to, like, run up walls. You get to glide. You get to do, like, magical zip zip lines. Like, it's... It's really fun just to move around. Like, they give you fast travel options. Half the time, I just say, screw it. I just run up a, run up a building and just fly down to wherever I'm going. It's super mm. fun. The gameplay is just spot on. Falcom knows what the hell they're doing with their action games. It's a lot of fun. I super recommend Ease 9. And man, it just runs like butter on my PlayStation 5. I hear... The baseline PS4 hitches here and there, but it basically runs pretty well. So I'm sure, much like Ease 8 ran pretty well on the Switch, there are multiple times I'm like, ooh, that is not what a video game should always look like. That's, hmm. But it's been, the game looks very clean, but I think also still looks very nice. I'm really, really enjoying Ease 9. And while I own Bravely Default 2, I'm refusing to play it until I destroy and just finish devouring Ease 9 because it is it is a really, really good meal of an RPG. So, John, what do you have? I am actually going to reach back into a uh, previous mode of Awesome as well uh, to talk about the Team Ladybug Metroidvania uh, Record of Lotus War Game D-Lit Wonder Labyrinth. Um, it's still in early access, but they've added some new areas to the game. So fucking fun. Just so much fun. Like if 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 you like Symphony of the Night, you'll like this game. It pretty um shamelessly <laughs> rips rips it off in about every conceivable way, but it's it's a good thing. It's just so good. So good. They also made that um Toho Nights, didn't they? Which you know, I, I, I'm not familiar with their uh with their catalogue, I'm afraid. I'm I'm pretty sure that what Toho Knights is was they took the whole Toho concept but made a Metroidvania game out of it that again rips off Symphony of the Night but in all the right ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean oh. the controls the controls are feel exactly the way they should. Um, oh, I do own that game. I I, I do own the Lotus Wars game. <laughs> I yeah, I think I bought it. I think I bought it when you recommended it the last time, and I haven't played it. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, you, you could be forgiven for kind of forgetting about it, because when it was first added to uh, Early Access, it was a very short section of the game. Um, but they've they've added a lot more since then. And I, I've, I've just been enjoying it. I've just been having fun with it. And just so we're clear, it's called Toho Luna Nights. But... It absolutely is. It's Team Ladybug. It's them doing a Metroidvania only, you know, set with Toho stuff. So that's another game you may want to perhaps look into playing as well while you're waiting for the next update uh, for Deedlit and Metroidvania Land. Yeah. And there's a reason that at least three 
Japanese role-playing games were mentioned in the Moments of Awesome because, well, we all really like Japanese role-playing games, which is theoretically a good thing because we're about to talk about a movie based off a Japanese role-playing game, Dragon Quest Your Story. We'll be right back. This is the Awesome Cast. Dragon Quest. Yes, it is a role-playing game done by Enix, now Square Enix, because Square and Enix merged, which is really interesting that this is a movie based off a Square Enix video game, but not animated by Square Enix. No, entirely different folks. But before we really get into the meat of that, I was curious on what's y'all's experience with Dragon Quest. Um, as far as the games, next to none. Like, I, I've never played more than, like, a few minutes of a Dragon uh, Dragon Quest game. I've never really gotten into the series. I had the original, at least the U.S. release version of the original Dragon Quest, known as Dragon Warrior at the time, on the NES. And I've played all the mainline games except for the MMO one. Uh, that have been released in the U.S. at least a little bit, if not all the way through. <laughs> I did not own Dragon Warrior. I rented it, and I read the strategy guide that was inserted in Nintendo Power because they didn't think Americans would get JRPGs. <laughs> and then I played Dragon Warrior 2, and that was it. I think I had... I think I picked up a Humble Bundle a while back that had 11 in it, and I started playing it before I fa fell down the Valheim hole. So, like... 11 is a fun one if you want to go back at some point. <laughs> it wasn't bad. Like, I had to get back into the swing of things, but, man, like, all, all my experience is old school. Like, real old school. And that's totally fine and good. I mean, that's... Dragon Quest was the series that really created the JRPG genre as we know it. Much like how there were platformers before Super Mario, but Super Mario sort of redefined what a 2D and then eventually what a 3D platformer should feel like, should play like. Dragon Quest did the same thing for role-playing games. It was their idea, their take on yeah. things like D&D, &D, but... Yeah, there's definitely some Ultima influence in the yeah. original Dragon Quest. But yeah, I mean, they, they were building on stuff they'd seen from other people. But And it was also a confluence of, of just really good things. The creator of Dragon Quest, Yuji Horii, at the time he was working at Shonen Jump, or working doing things for Shonen Jump. That's how he met Akira Toriyama, who was doing Dragon Ball, which is why Toriyama does all the artwork for Dragon Quest. And that's also why you get a lot of, well, shonen themes in Dragon Quest, because secretly it could have been just a shonen jump RPG. He just happened to do his own thing through Enix, who had done, I think, some sort of contest, and Uchihori won it. But anywho's, 
I know for me, I played a little bit of Dragon Warrior here and there, I, much like Dylan. I mostly read about Dragon Quest in the early days of Nintendo Power. I know I've mentioned many times where when I was growing up as like an elementary and middle school kid, instead, when we're playing, are playing pretend, we would not do like cops and robbers and things like that. No, we played as if we were doing Dragon Quest slash Final Fantasy, you know, defeating slimes, but also, you know, saving the crystals and we would march around in order, you know, in a line around, you know, our backyards, thinking we were going on adventures. But I did, my first real role-playing game was Final Fantasy IV, a.k.a. Final Fantasy II at the time. So I didn't really get into JRPGs until the Super Nintendo, which Enix stopped really publishing their games. So I missed out on a bunch in addition, like, for example, Dragon Quest V, which was on, I believe, the first one for the Super Famicom. And what I really did get into Dragon Quest for realsies was actually on the Nintendo DS with Dragon Quest IV and those remakes that they did. And that's where I, I liked four pretty well, but five was the Dragon Quest that really, really made me fall in love with the whole concept, the whole Dragon Quest whole deal. It was Dragon Quest V. And I think, in a lot of ways, Dragon Quest V, now known as Dragon Quest V, Hand of the Heavenly Bride, is like the Dragon Quest. For a lot of folks, it might be the equivalent of modern day, like Final Fantasy VII, is for a lot of folks for Final Fantasies or Final Fantasy VI, for those who were into Final Fantasy or even Final Fantasy IV, Dragon Quest V was like the Dragon Quest. It was the it did a lot of firsts, especially in the realm of storytelling. There are some games I think still don't aren't as quite as an epic of a tale that Dragon Quest V does because it is one of those few games that's like straight up generational in that you actually go through like a lineage. You go from a father to a son to then his sons or son and daughter in the video game. And this was the plot line that they took for Dragon Quest, your story, ostensibly. And it was really interesting because this the animation studio that did this is a studio called uh, Shirogumi. And one of the things they were re that really helped them make their mark was a CG film called Stand By Me Doraemon. And it was directed by Takeshi Yamazaki. And what he did was he took a lot of short stories from Doraemon and then sort of, you know, put them in a stew and boiled them up into a movie and it did very well and i think that is kind of why when yuchi hori decided that he wanted to see about making a or at least announced they're going to do a cg dragon quest movie they tapped him and the studio to make dragon quest your story happen which makes a lot of sense i've seen some trailers for doraemon 
or Stand By Me Dorymon, and it looks very nice, very clean. He clearly understands how, like, a major motion picture CG animated film could potentially look. Like, I think, if there's nothing else, this movie is a very, very, very pretty movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I Early on, I got the feeling that this was kind of trying to be... I don't know if trying to be is the right word, but like Pixar style, really high quality. Some of the stylistic elements are there. Like, you know, it'll, you know, little visual gags and gags and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, it's on par with that, that sort of animation. Oh yeah. It also felt kind of like a Pixar movie in the pacing as well, because uh, Pixar movies have a habit of like, sometimes just going through a very long time in a very short period on screen. That's, that's a good point. Cause early on, I don't, I, I don't want to take you too far off track where you're going Basil, but I did feel like there was a, a lot of names and concepts thrown at, at you early on that you won't get, you'll need to know later in the movie. And if you don't get them, you'll be a little bit lost. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, this is this is definitely a movie that was made for y'all like that Dragon Quest Five, right? Y'all like that? Yeah. You were lack of the Dragon Quest Five, eh? Eh? You lack of the Dragon like, Quest Five? There was a a good ways into the movie where I was thinking I was going to call it a pragmatic adaptation of Dragon Quest Five. <laughs> but what I was trying to say earlier, yeah, for for sure, like there is a lot of really crappy CG anime out there also a lot of it like being funded by netflix yeah stop doing that netflix (laughs) but like takashi yamazaki he seems to get it he seems to understand how a cg a major motion picture cg animated movie should look like where this feels very much yeah like a Pixar or DreamWorks film, only it's produced in Japan. Right. Yeah. If, if more CG anime came out looking like this, as long as they didn't stop entirely making 2D animation, I wouldn't complain about it that much. <laughs> well, and different studios have tried different things. Like, for example, I think Studio Orange does an amazing job with things like Beastars and Land yeah. of the Lustrous, where they want to sort of create what you traditionally think of as anime, but in CG. And there's a lot of hit and miss from a lot of studios in that respect as well. This feels like, okay, people know what they think CG movies should look like. Let's do our own take of it as a Japanese animated film. And that's where I think that's what Takashi Yamazaki and the things that he has directed really works well. For example, while it's not done by Shirogumi, he also wrote and directed his latest film is Loop on the First. Yeah. At least from the trailers I've seen, that looks pretty good. <laughs> I just got my Blu-ray in. I really need to watch it. And despite the things we'll eventually talk about this movie, I am excited to watch Lupin the first. 
because there is a lot to like about Dragon Quest Your Story. However, it's all in the middle. Yeah. It's all in the middle, which is unique in itself. So this movie starts them playing the Super Nintendo game. Like, the initial cutscenes are not actually the movie. They're just getting you up to speed because they didn't have time to deal with that. Yeah, they flash you a couple of the key moments and it, it's just the game. It's just got the game text translated for us English reading people. But <laughs> it, I really appreciate it as someone who played most of his JRPGs during that era. But it's also a lot to kind of like adjust to like oh there's there's a whole bunch of subtitles and i can't really tell what's going on okay <laughs> i mean it sort of worked for me in that it's like okay okay it's a dragon quest we're supposed to be a little nostalgic you know it's a. Uh, it turns out i they really were trying to go for a nostalgia thing but that's for later <laughs> yeah so it covers the important things like pancrantz he was this king and his wife got had this son who they have named Luca in this particular case, which is, you know, sidebar, kind of funny because there was like a lawsuit because the Dragon Quest V novelist, sorry, Kumi, filed a lawsuit because Luca was the name that they came up with for the novelization because in the video game, you choose the name for the hero or the Yusha, as it were. But the movie decided to use the name Luca, and the novelist is like, no, that's my name. Doubly weird, because it's not his usual default name, either. <laughs> right. But I also think there's reasons for it that we'll get into later, but I also have no idea how that lawsuit turned out. It feels kind of weird. Well, Square Enix probably still owns the rights to the localization, or the, the to the novel, but I don't know how creator rights exactly work in Japan, and I'm not a lawyer, so... But I thought it was kind of funny that the novelist wrote the name Luca, and that's the name they used in the movie. And so Luca's this little kid, and they do their own stuff. And the big thing you need to understand that happened as a little kid was him and his childhood friend Bianca. He also has a childhood friend named Nera, or Flora, if you in Japan. And they had their own misadventure. The big misadventure was that Luca and Bianca went through these towers and they found this golden orb. And that was the big thing where they did that. And that's a very important plot thing that happens throughout the movie that you need to know that Bianca and Luca have this history and there's this golden orb. But that's all told in the sprites. Yeah. <laughs> so if you didn't notice that, you might have had some questions when you're watching the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that like when I went to, to go to the bathroom early on that I like missed that part or something. I'm like, okay, so these, these guys have a history? Okay, I just remember Harry, but okay, cool, whatever. Like, if you're trying to adapt Dragon Quest V in an expansive way, you'd probably need, like, at least a trilogy of films. I mean, yes. 
Like, I'll get into this later, but I think that this movie should have been a series of movies, or they should have hacked off what they had the ending and what they made of the ending, and then gave it, like, at least a two-hour running time to actually do a better job of covering all the bits. Yeah. But once you get into it, once you know that Pancrantz is the dad, and he's this awesome-as-hell swords dude, and Luca's his son, and he's very proud of his dad... And early on, you also discover that Luca's life is absolute crap throughout most of his life. But there's some good moments. Like, for the example, when the main bad, the theoretical main bad guy, oh, what's his name? Laja. It's like, hey, I'm the big bad guy. I'm going to kill your dad and throw you into slavery. Have fun. Yeah, it's kind of like from the made a slave part, and I think where you kind of starts the good chunk of the what would have been the start of the good movie. <laughs> yes, yes. As through, I mean, just from the point of how Luca and Harry get out of where they are, and then the adventure that Luca has is a lot of fun. Like, I think they had a blast making this movie. Like, the movie always looks really good. The action looks really good. All the Dragon Quest monster designs are fairly are authentic to the game style and are just charming as hell. Uh. I did like that, being able to identify these even from, you know, back, you know, Dragon Quest 1. And they still look like you know, they were designed for 3D CGI, but also being very recognizable. Yeah, like, while the characters, they've got a little bit of that Toriyama flavor, I feel all the monsters still very much have that Toriyama flavor. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I need my uh, saber-tooth tigers with their, their big, cute eyes and floppy tongues. I, I need that. <laughs> and oh my god slimes look so good in this cg style yeah oh god do they look those such good slimes slimes are pretty much the most recognizable thing from dragon quest i think and like they had to get that right yeah that's like that's like your mascot there essentially <laughs> um I also want to call out, I absolutely, I think my favorite animated sequence in this movie is the moment where they decide to do the montage of Luca level grinding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, whack, you get, uh, you're trying whack. to whack on the metal slimes and running <laughs> in the desert and killing stuff for gold and loot and him always just getting better and, and just having these misadventures. It's, ah, uh, it was, it's, gosh, it's, such a good cartoon at that point. Like, this movie makes no qualms knowing that this is animation, and they play with it a lot. This doesn't feel, like, static or clunky or anything. It's It's got this... It's got smoothness and grace and just humor to it that just really fits the tone of playing Dragon Quest so well. And even though, at least for the Japanese side of the cast... It was mostly done by actual, I say actual, primarily live action focused actors and actresses. 
but they still did a very good job. Although I am guessing that John and Dylan probably watched the dub, so I don't know how that turned out. You you are correct. We did, in fact, watch the dub. Yeah. Uh, I did dub on my rewatch since this was the second time me seeing it. And, or Yeah, I think the second time here. It's shortly here before we got to talking. So tell me about them dubs. Um, it features the greatest living American, Harry Lowenthal, uh, as well as a number of other very good, well-known uh, actors, uh, particularly throughout gaming and anime. Overall, I, I liked it. One story element was made known to me immediately because of the casting. I was like, oh, I know that voice, and then I heard that voice again. I'm like, oh, well, I think I know what's going on here. Ah, uh, yes. But yeah, so the English dub is solid, really solid overall. I don't really remember any moments in watching a dub where it, it took me out of it to because you know, somebody had a weird line read or something. And I just want to point out that doing my research for the show notes and stuff for this episode, discovering that Gutrud, the slime that accompanies Luca throughout the adventure eventually does get to speak and when Gutrud speaks either way you go it is the voice of Spike Spiegel yeah it's, it's real <laughs> jarring it's real jarring like, whoa wait a minute like yeah why is, why is, why is Steve Steve Bloom's voice coming out of that slime <laughs> or Koichi Yamadera you know Ryoga from Ranma and, and Togusa from Ghost in the Shell and all, all sorts of things. Like it's, uh, I mean, it it's, was... it's a similar voice type either way. It's, it's, yeah. it's a little, it's a bit deep and unexpected to be coming out this tiny little slime creature. Well, I, yeah, and that's of course I think is probably the joke that yeah. you know, hey, it's this cute little slime. Who's the manliest person we can get to voice a slime? I also very much liked how they handled the whole who Luca cho- chooses as his bride. The you know, the eponymous Heavenly Bride. Because in the video game, at that point, because this mostly is, especially once they get going, is a pretty decent retelling of the Dragon Quest V storyline. They did take a few liberties here and there to get the story through, but by and large, it works out, and one of the major things that you get to do in Dragon Quest V is you have to choose your bride. Luca meets these two girls, Nera and Bianca, in his travels. And after he does a certain thing to prove himself as worthy of doing stuff with this king, it then follows that you need to get married. And your choices are the princess Nera or your childhood friend, the more rough and tumbly Bianca. And if you were playing the DS remake, uh, Nera has an older sister. Yes, who is simultaneously the best and worst choice. <laughs> Literally thrown in because Yuchi Hori was like, all right, I've got to twist the knife on my fans just a little bit. So we're going to throw this character in to, to really make you make have to choose. And... Sadly, not appearing in the film, but I give that a pass because she wasn't in the original game either. She was in the DS remake. <laughs> And that's important for various plot-related reasons that the main character, he's gotta have children. 
which makes more sense as time goes on, because again, Luca lives the worst life. <laughs> and bad things routinely happen to him. But uh, by and large, this middle of the movie, I really, really enjoyed. Yeah, like all the, like from made a slave, grinding to be a hero, having to do heroic deeds that, you know, that, that gets him like, oh, now you can marry my daughter. Oh, but wait, your daughter's awesome, but maybe I have feelings for my friend who helped me accomplish this great deed. I don't know for sure. <laughs> That's all real good stuff. Yeah, it's, 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 it's solid. Solid movie. I enjoyed it. It also, you know, again, more bad things happen to Luca, then good things begin happening, and then it all sort of gets up to this gigantic crescendo of this, this great fight scene where there's all these monsters, the hero has got his whole party together finally, you know, friends from the past come back to help out, and it's bombastic. And man, even one of the characters, one of the younger characters, I didn't realize at the time, but many times he holds his sword very similar in the positions that Die from Dragon Quest Adventures of Die holds his sword. <laughs> Which I'm absolutely not positive. That's a reference I did not get until we got that remake of that TV show. And then something happens in this movie that has yeah. been very controversial. And so. Now we're going to take a break and we're going to come back with the real spoilers. Alright, folks, we're back. We're talking about Dragon Quest, your story. And it's your story because, surprise, we've done Benisekide. Which is you know. crazy because in the main, the actual storyline, before you get to the Isekai stuff, there are actually a fair number of twists. Oh, yeah. You know, of how things happen. And I, I just figured we were done by the time we got to the final fight scene. Oh, yeah. They they get through a few things of where they keep saying the phrase, well, this go around. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, as an Evangelion fan, I caught on to that real quick. I was like, ooh. <laughs> like, wait, we got, we got something going on here. This, this and even just... near the end, they've got, before they go on the big final battle mission, there's a part where the hero time travels. Yes. Yeah. It's almost sort of a... I'm pretty sure, if I remember right, that actually happens in the game. But It absolutely I sort of, happens. Because like, it's been a little while since I actually played the game. But I was pretty sure that actually happened in the game. And yeah. that's for a plot important reason. He has to time travel, has to get something from himself in the past, you know. And it's... Yeah. And it, well, it, is, it is the Golden Orb, specifically. Like, that yeah. is actually... Yeah. Now, the robots, I don't think, was in the game. But... No. <laughs> But no, he did they, have they to... call that out. It's like, isn't that a little random? And uh, Doctor Aegon, who we must not forget to mention here. Um... I we were watching that early on, 
And I think Jen said, like, why does he have pointy ears? And I'm like, I can't think of any Dragon Warrior races or characters that have pointy ears. And so I have I'm no just idea. like, well, it's it's a fucking fantasy game. Of course somebody has pointy ears. Why the fuck wouldn't they, right? <laughs> and then when they went back to him, we had subtitles on and it said Dr. Dr. Agon. And I'm like, <laughs> Dragon! Now, <laughs> now, Dylan, understand. When they subtitle it, when you first meet him at the beginning of the movie, they spell out the word doctor. Oh, okay. <laughs> they say Dr. Aegon. Okay, yeah. Oh. And then, later on, when they're ready to reveal who he is, they then do it Dr. Period Aegon to really make sure you got it, because he's about to go, and Dr. Aegon's like, no, really? Really? You're going to ask me who the dragon is? Really? <laughs> you haven't gotten it yet. Dr. Aegon. That reminds me of a time I went to go to the doctor and told him, you know, my, my wrist hurt and he just took blood. I'm never going back to Dr. Acula again. <laughs> Those gym classes from Coach Feratu. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, and I, I, think, I think the actual character of Dr. Aegon, while the dragon is in the game, I don't think he's like on a human form. I think that whole joke is while very on point for Dragon Quest. It's very good pun. But I, I think that was especially for the movie. And it was that was Chef Kiss. But God, with the freaking virus dude goes uh, uh I don't like people thinking like Isekai's are dumb, so I made a virus. Uh yeah, you like was, this game is dumb, so I made a virus. It's it was like, a little random as a way. Like they're trying to get to the point where you reveal what's really going on, and it just seemed kind of forced. Yeah, I, and it, it's just so it's clear. It's like protagonist is a guy playing some sort of full immersion VR game of Dragon Quest Five this whole that, time. That denies and, you access to your normal memories because that seems safe. Yeah, there's a. I have a lot of questions about this game, but that's not necessarily related to the review. <laughs> well, and the whole thing is they're trying to say the whole point of this is that nostalgia's bad. No, nostalgia's great. Screw you. I love nostalgia. Nostalgia <laughs> wins it all. I mean, that was the point. That that was yeah. Where the, sh- the but movie ended up. I, you didn't need it. We were all watching this because it's Dragon Quest. We wanted to see a really pretty CG Dragon Quest V. We're already invested. We're already nostalgia (laughs) on the board of Nostalgia Train. You did this. You didn't need this. I get it. You wanted to do something surprising. You want to do something to make fans go, "Oh my goodness, this was not it. This is not what we signed up for." Eh, you wanted to play with like the texture layers and stuff on camera for to amuse people. <laughs> yeah, no, I I did have that reaction at first, like what? What are they doing? What is this? Because it it just feels kind of tacked on. It's really yeah. really short. Like, you have right before the final boss appears, it's like the whole game freezes and there's just this virus coded by some asshole telling you, yeah, Dragon Quest sucks. Actually, and you're kind of stupid for liking it. <laughs> I and, and we were joking too about it being product placement and as dumb as it seems 
there's also kind of the flip side of it, right? Where it feels like what they're doing is a Final Fantasy Lost Stranger or a Dad of Light type of thing where this movie is kind of product placement, but it's really, really toned down from that style. Like, it's like, we're going to slip it in here at the end and we're not going to make a big deal out of it. We're not going to have every fight be like, hey guys, remember slimes? Remember how much we all love those? You know, so there's a certain amount of restraint if you look at it from that perspective. Well, again, like the beginning of the movie, it's kind of weird that they decided to do this whole sprite based thing to actually communicate needed storyline bits. Like if they wanted to to like do like an opening montage of, hey, this was from a video game, that would have been fine. But the beginning, what I felt was kind of messed up because clearly this was stuff they needed to cover, but they didn't have time to cover it. And then the ending is also not great because it's this weird, like, haha, got you, like storyline twist that completely feels unnecessary. I remember the first time I watched this, I was with my wife, Anna, and she was constantly like, wait, what's going on? Wait, why is this? And it felt very jumpy around. And I remember we got to that point. I literally paused the movie and had to do a couple of paces around the room (laughs) because I was just so like, what the ever living hell did you decide that this was a good idea? Now, the second time I watched this, I guess also because I already knew it was going going on, it was overall a much smoother ride. I had a lot more fun with this movie the second time through. But still, that ending just felt, instead of feeling just revolting and just, oh my god, how dare you, it was just kind of meh. I just felt a little bit let down. I wasn't angry anymore. I was just disappointed. Yeah. And I can see your point about the, like the 16 bit intros. I appreciated it for the nostalgia of it. Like, like it conveyed that really well, but it was also kind of jarring. Cause I'm like, okay, what am I watching here? I thought this was a 3d movie. What's going on? What am I missing? Especially because they jump back and forth between scenes really fast. That said, when that twist happened, I did know I had to make sure John watched it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so dumb. It is. <laughs> the the thing is, they they kind of hit that the whole way. Yeah, because like when, when you when you get there, it's like why? Yeah, because when he has to choose between the Bianca and and uh, Nira, Nira, there's a like you, he goes into this like. 3d code looking thing and you think okay this is just because it's a reference to a video game and then there's something he says at the end of like is that i always choose nira or i always choose bianca i think I, it's always choose nira no he, he, always he always chose bianca and he wanted to pick nira this time okay but even then he couldn't he still had to pick bianca which you know by the way yeah i totally picked bianca for my playthrough just <laughs> so I'm I'm with I'm with I'm with main character guy, you know Bianca is the best. She is the Tifa of our times. But you know who hasn't in a game with romanceable options been like, 
what happens if I, I know I have my clear favorite, but I kind of wonder what happens down that other route. And sometimes you play it, and sometimes you set out to play it, but still end up going that same way you always do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we've all been there before. And I guess I probably should have mentioned this at the first chunk of this, but I'll mention it now. The music in the movie is very, very, very good. That is because they just straight up ripped Dragon Quest V music from the game to set it to the movie. Of course, this is also now the point where I've got to mention that Koichi Sugiyama, he composed the music. He did very, very good music for, for many, many years. Now he can't barely write a new tune to save his life. He's also a raging asshole. He's a terrible human being. He is a very, very pro-right-wing. Japan has never done anything wrong. Anti, you know, uh, he's just mm, bad. The worst. Bad he human not being. not a good person. <laughs> I really like a lot of his music. And, you know, again, this is from Dragon Quest V. I am sure they did not realize just how terrible he was, just that he wrote really good music for the first few games, so they kept doing it, and he's also got a financial stake in Dragon Quest at this point, and probably then too. But, fuck you, Koichi Sugiyama. I'm just gonna say that now. <laughs> Spoilers, he's terrible. <laughs> but anyway, Spoilers, Japan did horrible things in China during World War II. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when when you're with the Axis powers, there's not like a lot of good that can, you know. Oh, now, you know. I do have to say, Osamu Tezuka did teach me, you know, Japan did take in a lot of Jewish refugees during World War II, which is interesting. But still, they also did a lot of terrible things to um, to make up for it. Yeah, you you. I feel like you have to balance that war can be very complicated. Not. Oh, we never did anything wrong. Yeah. Well, actually, I'd say I don't so much care. I do care, but it doesn't so much weigh on me that Japan did terrible things during World War II. Because, yeah, like everybody did. But they continuously refused to admit to it after the fact. All right. I think, unless there's any more things we'll talk about in the spoiler section, let's take a break and move on to questions. So we've got questions. We've got actually a lot of questions. We kind of do, yeah. Our, our friends from Third Impact Anime gave us a bevy of them. So thank y'all very much, Third Impact friendos. We're going to start off with Tobias at Reverend underscore Tobias on Twitter. And his question is, why? Because sometimes a strange woman has to give you a puff puff downtown. That's all I gotta say. Uh, uh, getting that puff puff reference in, you know, that was, 
that that, that was also very choice. Again, the middle of this movie is so good. <laughs> it is so good. Like when we started, when I first watched it, I was the ending had caught me so off guard. Like it burnt me so hard that I was very excited for this movie because again, Dragon Quest Five is my favorite Dragon Quest. It's it's just the first. I mean, you start with one dad and you move on to his son and then you move on to his children. Also, by the way, in the game, he has a son and a daughter. There's actually two of them. Yeah. I guess they only had budget for one. So they, um, the sister was not the destined hero, whereas the son was. I feel like that would be a lot to pack into this movie. Just as many time skips as there were. Yeah. Well, and that's what happens. You know, so really they did a pretty decent job of, in the show, or in the, sorry, not the show, in the video game, when you get turned into the, sta- when Luca gets turned into the freaking statue, and he's stuck there, it's a lot of them going through the, the changing of the seasons, and you actually see the children using the dad as a prop statue to play with. Like, and you see the kids, like, grow up over the years a little bit. But him constantly not be able to play with them. Like they actually really, really like they beat it into you that no, he's a statue. He his children are growing up right in front of him, and he can't see a thing because he's a statue. And I felt the movie did a pretty good job of showing the 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 times changing and things bad things happening. But man, it just in this sixteen bit Super Nintendo game. To pull crap like that is freaking amazing. Like it was, it's such a such a groundbreaking video game. Although I think his question why is the isekai thing, and man, I don't know. It's a bad decision. Yeah, this was actually it's not called re- Dragon Quest. Somebody else's story. It's right there in the <laughs> title. This this was a really good movie, and if they just left that part off it wouldn't have prompted that weird reaction. You know, like I would, I would be thinking about how good this movie actually was. Wow. I know nothing about later dragon quests. And this was, this was really good. This was a fun adventure. And instead I'm going, what, what just happened? What did I watch? <laughs> it it did weirdly add to my enjoyment seeing everyone else's bewilderment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Bill at, WB Foreman 999 asks, how is the CGI for comparison? Is it good like Lupin the First, or is it bad like the Netflix Ghost in the Shell TV series? Oh, it's I real good. feel like we've probably given the impression that it is good, and it is. It is very, very good animation. Uh, and as I mentioned, it's di- it's written, directed by the same guy that Dud, that Dun did Lupin the, third, the First. Yeah. So, yes, no, the CG-wise, it is very good and don't worry bill we got you is this game based or this movie based off a particular game in the franchise yes it is dragon quest 5 i'm pretty sure i've covered that could i enjoy slash appreciate this movie without playing any of the games that is not yes. a question for me it's a question for y'all yes yeah yes. i i i've barely played any of them <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. Um, 
even though it has a really stupid ending. But that's that's never stopped me yeah. from enjoying something. You're gonna be scratch. You're gonna be scratching your head, but not because you don't understand the main story. <laughs> yeah, I think I, even if you haven't played, if you've played another Dragon Quest game, but not this one, you're you're fine because it's it does throw a lot at you. I'm sure if you you've played Dragon Quest V, there's more of a recognition and you just you don't feel like you're getting thrown in the deep end. Uh personally, like it's weird coming to this from earlier games because I'm like, what what's a Zenithian heavenly hero? I remember the descendant of or descendant of Edric and the Dragon Lord and when Kafrizzle and Kasizzle were hurt and heal and whatever. <laughs> yeah, the the uh nomenclature for the spells I actually did enjoy a bit because you know it just sounded like a a very bad attempt at, at a Snoop Dogg impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyways, so the first three Dragon Quests are all about the descendants and things of Loto or in the original Dragon War Edric. Yeah. Four, five, and six involved the Zenithians as, like, pretty much thinking like the Hylians from Zelda. They were an ancient race that did badass things, and now you kind of need to be of their lineage to do badass things yourself. Because eugenics! Oh, wait, ow. Oh, yeah, they they (laughs) did kind of breed the perfect chosen one in this movie. It seems a little... Oops! (laughs) Okay. Like, accidental eugenics. (laughs) Uh, not being familiar with the story, um, when they revealed that Bianca was Zenithian, I did wonder if they were going to the place that Japan loves going, which is romance between blood relatives. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, fortunately not. But <laughs> no, they that was that was that that was just happenstance. It was just a a twist to try to to keep things moving on as to why the kid was actually like the heavenly hero. He was the Yusha. All Zenithians aren't related. That's racist. That's right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Except, except they didn't know there were any other Zenithians alive. So I feel like that's a, you know, with that knowledge, it's reasonable <laughs> assumption. Hey, they might be related. Cause there's only like him, his mom, and now apparently her. So anyways, uh, Bill's last question. Have you ever played the Dragon Quest MMO? If so, thoughts? No, it's all in Japanese. We never got it here. I can't read Japanese. The closest one of us that remotely can, I believe, is Kevin. And this was not a Super Robot Wars game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I can't say I'm not interested, but I would... We've probably missed the window on this, getting this in the U.S., to be honest, but I'd want it in English. <laughs> but I will point out that one of the original main guys behind it was this guy named Naoki Yoshida, who happens to be the director and producer of Final Fantasy XIV. Did you know, did you know that you can play the free trial up to level 60 and it encompasses the first expansion, Heavensward? Really? Now you can get that far now. Uh, yes, actually, yes, you can, Kevin. It's sort of a meme at this point to mention how much you can play. But yeah, the entire first expansion is now covered as part of the free trial. 
excuse huh. me, do you have time to talk about our Lord and Savior Yoshi P? <laughs> that's where uh, this is going. That's that's what this that's, feels no, no, no. like. Different podcast. So Austin at Bebop Shock asks, recommend the best place to start with the Dragon Quest franchise. Well, Dragon Quest Five. Uh, I say, unfortunately, now if you're, you can probably find yourself a nice ROM without too much work. Finding the DS remake cartridges is actually tricky at this point for some of the Dragon Quest games. I believe the DS remake is actually the basis for the iOS slash Android version. So it actually is a pretty good version of phone version of that game, unlike the Final Fantasy and Final, Final Fantasy V and Final Fantasy VI versions, which look oh, like terrible. That's good. So, um, although there is also Dragon Quest Eleven is uh, shiny and new. Uh, that's probably the easiest one to get your hands on. And that's also it really, also really... also have a retro mode? It does. Yeah. That's actually how I played through the entire thing of Dragon Quest XI was all in retro sprite-based mode. And it was awesome. <laughs> Wait, is XI uh, Echoes of, Elu- of an Elusive Age? Okay, yes. Now, the trick is, Dylan, is that if you're trying to play the PC version, don't. What you okay. actually want is the Switch version. Okay, because the PC version doesn't have retro mode? It does not. So, okay. Well, it did release a PS4 version of the... It, also, it does have the Definitive retro mode. Definitive edition or whatever yeah. it is. Right, okay. So, quick sidebar. When Dragon Quest Eleven originally came out, it came out on 3DS and PS4. 3DS was sprite-based. PS4 was Unreal Engine polygon based so when they did the switch version what they did was they act because the switch was not as powerful as the ps4 however they wanted to make sure that the switch version was very good they took like two or three extra years to make it and they more or less built the grain the built the game up again from the ground up so it looks very very good for a switch game Almost as good as the PS4 game. There's just a few bad spots here and there. But at the same time, they also incorporated the retro graphics mode from the 3DS version into the Switch version so that you could play it as 3D or as 2D. And then they also included orchestrated versions of all the tracks because, did I mention that Koichi Sugiyama is an asshole? He is. For the PS4 version, he was like, nah, I compose this in MIDI. You only get MIDI. <laughs> yeah. And so for the Switch version, screen is like, nah, you already had your version. This version is going to get the good music. And so they took the Switch version and they ported that as the definitive edition then to PS4 and Xbox. And I believe it is also the version that is on Xbox or on Microsoft's Game Pass for Xbox and PC. So if you have Game Pass, you can actually download the good version to your computer, but what you need is the definitive edition. Okay, I don't think I have that. I was just like, curious because I was... If, you're, I if didn't... you're making a choice, I'd, I'd say definitely get the definitive edition. Honestly, the main reason I played it was I, I didn't really have a lot else to play. I was like, I want to start something new. Hey, I've got this. I might as well give it a shot. Um, so I'm probably not going to go out of my way to play it, but 
I mean, it's it's still pretty decent, it seems like. It's still a good version of the game. It's just not the really good version of the game. Yeah. All right. So Austin also asks, also discuss, is Dragon Quest better than Dragon Ball? Yeah. And the answer is, they're the same thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, if I learned anything from the, uh, Dragon Quest Hero Story, it's that, yeah, being the chosen hero is basically just being Gohan. Like, you're, they they make you think you're supposed to be the hero, but you're not. It's still your dad. <laughs> what I like about this question, th- this is going to be a complete aside. I remember when I was a kid, either I had seen a Dragon Warrior cartoon on the TV schedule at some point, or I thought Dragon Ball was that because it, it cut off at Dragon. And I remember like trying to watch it one time and it was Dragon Ball and not Dragon Warrior. And I was like, what is this? I don't care about this. Give me Dragon Warrior. <laughs> there was a Dragon Warrior animated series that did make it to the U.S. Oh, God. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> I memory serves. It was still pretty fun. I remember getting up at like five in the morning to watch it on my local affiliate. Yeah. The only downside is we never got the whole show in the US. <laughs> yeah. But that said, Dragon Quest Adventure of Dai or Dino Daiboken is coming out. It's on Crunchyroll. It's a very good Dragon Quest cartoon. And y'all, it's pretty much what if Dragon Ball but Fantasy. You know, complete with randomly going Super Saiyan, which in Dragon Quest is called Pep. It's <laughs> it's fine. You don't have to do, is this better than this? No, man, they're both good. Just watch and enjoy and play both. It's fine. Ryan at Midshelf Ryan asks, are there actually dragons in Dragon Quest? I've literally never seen one in any trailer I've seen. Yes. Yeah. There's a few. It's true. There's a few. No, there are definitely dragons in Dragon Quest, and there's at least a few dragons in this movie in particular. Yeah. Oh yeah, Dragon Quest as a whole. There's, I guarantee you, at least one dragon in every Dragon Quest. <laughs> That's the Dragon Quest guarantee. I mean, realistically, counting you know even enemy types, there's probably several, but I guarantee you'll run into at least one. He also asks, "How does this compare to Final Fantasy Spirits Within?" That's I watched- way better. I watched that mm. in theaters back when it first came out. I don't remember that movie anymore. That is true. I saw it when it first came out, like, opening weekend. I don't think I've ever seen it. I mean, that, that, that's, it existed. It probably has better animation. <laughs> I don't remember I, it very unlike well Unlike Spirits Within, it has something to do with an actual game in the series. That is true. I, I do remember listening to, probably this a Retronauts, I'm guessing, but someone did posit that Spirits Within... The real trick is is that what you're watching is actually the last quarter of a Final Fantasy after they've leveled up and everything and gone through a lot of the storyline. You're just catching it at the very end. And that was probably not the best way to write a movie. <laughs> very similar to this question is, how does this compare to Final Fantasy VII Advent Children? I like this way more. Yeah, same. Yeah, I even I if I uh, children in a hot minute. I just even if I being... uh, go ahead. Uh, so even if I compare it to my favorite version of Advent Children, the extended cut, because you have extra Rude and Reno scenes, and they're the only thing worth watching. Uh, I still like this movie better. <laughs> I think I've seen Advent Children, but I 
don't remember. Like I would uh, definitely actually re- weirdly after now the uh, after we got the Final Fantasy VII remake, I think I like Advent Children less. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like okay. it's just goofy. Look, Advent Children could have ended in Isekai, and that might have helped. I probably just shrugged yeah. to go, yeah, this checks out. <laughs> and then his other question is, was the real Dragon Quest of Friends made along the way? I mean... I think the movie makes the argument yes. Yeah, actually, yes. it does. That's <laughs> Yes. You're right, Kevin. It does make the argument, and it answers definitively yes. <laughs> it's like, what if Sword Art Online, but the win condition is getting stuck in the game... With all your digital friends. Well, then I'd say Sword Art Online would be a lot better that way. (laughs) I've got to tell you, you know, by the time I got out of that game, I would be traumatized because I'd be back in the real world. You know, because when you go into the game, they tell you, you're not going to remember anything about the outside world. You're going to be totally immersed in this thing. We're definitely not going to break into your house, steal all your goods, steal your identity. Um, we're not going to do anything bad to you while you're in here for the next, I don't know, 36 hours uninterrupted. But, you know, <laughs> you are you will come out with memories of everything. And it's like, I lived this entire life. And none of it was real. I had a child. I buried, I buried a woman. I fell in love with her. We had sex. Possibly. <laughs> They actually say that there was a line where they say you've only been in here a few hours, but you've been, you've experienced a lifetime. And yeah, Yeah. that would, this technology is going to get misused in, in bad ways. Like you, you think about all the bad stuff that say the existence of Facebook has spawned. Like there, there are people who are literally in cults now and and essentially a cult because of Facebook. This is going to create some really horrible stuff. This is a dystopia. Especially if you consider the whole temporarily repressing memories thing. That just yeah. is creepy as hell. You don't even get a cool whistle out of it. Or flute. <laughs> like, did they watch the Star Trek Next Gen episode where Picard gets trapped in the alien artifact and has to live an entire lifetime of this race because the race no longer exists and they wanted to leave the impression of what it was like to be them. And that, that that stuck living in Picard, and now he can play this flute, it, or it's or it's going to end up being the the next generation episode with a game that like brainwashes people. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it has like the little three D landscape with the horn looking thing that comes up and catches the ball. Yeah, it's the dumbest yeah. looking. Things get real bad. But after it's the this. game. <laughs> okay, so Tobias came back and asked a couple more questions. If you were SAO, I mean, Isakai'd into the Dragon Quest universe, what would your character be like? Look, I know I'd be Torneko, all right? I'd be Torneko, who is from Dragon Quest Four. What Dragon Quest Four did was that you played as the Yusha, then you played four little mini story arcs before getting back to the main storyline, and Torneko. He was this shopkeeper who had this little mini game of he'd actually had to go to the dungeon, grind out to get some weapons so he could go back to his store and then sell them for good prices. I remember that and thought that was just 
an interesting little segment of like in the NES version. I <laughs> although I was more into the uh the cool princess who could kick ass. <laughs> I feel like out of this movie I I would end up being like Sancho or someone, like the side character or whatever. I in every RPG where this is an option, I always go, you know, like fighter caster hybrid. So, you know, I'm I I'm gonna be slashing and, and Shizzling and and you know Kabizzling and whatever the hell else. You would be the hero. Uh, yeah, I, the I would. Yusha, that's. I do recall like Final Fa- or not Final Fantasy D- Dragon Quest Nine, uh, which had some co-op features, but did let you kind of create your own character. And for the non-co-op, you're kind of your own little party. And you know, I, I kind of like to be like a bare-fisted monk girl with a party of awesome girls fighting monsters. And then the other question was, what other classic video game franchise to get the CG treatment? What would the twist ending for that be like? Uh, the, the... Super Mario Brothers, it's being made by the Minions, folks. So the twist is, I really hope it's good. <laughs> I I feel like a lot of games could get this. Like, I could see a Zelda version of this. Like, a Zelda version of this with the storyline of the Link to the Past Nintendo Power comic would be great. One of the early Final Fantasies I would probably love. Honestly, like, this, like not knowing much about this game, this was a really good movie. Give me any game in this style. Give me, like, a completely unique IP in this style. Minus the weird isekai stuff at the end that would be a pretty good watch you know classic original shin megami tensei you know pokemon but satanic it's got Uh, its own twist if you just adapt it accurately i'd be good with that (laughs) the the obvious answer uh may still be the best one chrono trigger yeah i mean you can do all kinds of crazy shit with chrono trigger that could really have a twist ending because yeah. Chrono Trigger had lots of twist endings. Like, you have a yeah, you have a bunch of ending options if you really want to, or you can make up your own. It probably can't be worse than Chrono Cross. Oh Jesus Christ, so bad! Although, Why do you exist, Chrono Cross? Jesus Christ! Uh, Chrono Cross, the <laughs> game that would have been absolutely fine if they had just not made it linked to Chrono Trigger. Yeah, like if it just didn't. It, if they just made Chrono Trigger not count all of a sudden. Yeah. Although, they did, Chrono they Cross... They did the same fucking thing with 13 too, and that game is garbage for the same Yeah. The Chrono Cross does have a brilliant, amazing soundtrack, and you can't take that away from it. <laughs> True. Although, I also think... Well, it's not classic, as, you know, he's thinking, I would not mind seeing, like, Mass Effect. Because I know... Henry Cavill has, has you know, hinted at he might be Shepard. Now, the fact that Henry Cavill might be playing Fenship, that's a choice and I'm there for it. <laughs> that's a series that would benefit really well from this level of CGI. Yeah, especially that one time they tried to animate Mass Effect was not that great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like- In fact, don't let Origin of Bioware have any real say over it. Just give it to somebody who actually really loves the games um <laughs> it feels like that would have to be a different style than this kind of the uh, it wouldn't you, be you the cartoony pixar sorry dylan I, I didn't mean to overrun you but you guys want to hear a joke 
I saw a tweet the other day saying that EA vowed to uh, you know not enforce any kind of outside pressure on their on their developers. <laughs> Is it outside pressure if I, you're putting the pressure on it and you're in the company? Right, right. I I forget exactly how it was worded. It was in response to like the the whole idea that uh, you know they're fucking with Mass Effect and whatever else. Like they have to have certain things, you know, multiplayer aspects and this and that. Uh, like I I have never heard anyone say anything less truthful. In I I mean we just went through the Trump administration. I'm like wow this is just blatantly untrue. <laughs> I I think. Before I finish this off, I'm pretty sure that was probably, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure it's probably referenced to the fact that they have decided to not include multiplayer aspects into the next Dragon Age. Because apparently they had a thing where everything needed some form of multiplayer component. And then they realized after Jedi Fallen Order did very well, oh, wait, we can make boss you know, awesome, good single-player games and people will buy them? Oh, shoot. Okay, okay, Dragon Age, you know, you don't have to do that multiplayer. It's fine. You can just do good single-player. And thank God for that because Dragon Age is a good single-player. does not need multiplayer. Anyways, speaking of dragons, Paul Chad Brazil did leave a comment of, if it were really Dragon Quest, my story... It'd be hours and hours of grinding in the entry zone to level up my skills and buy better gear. That yeah. is the real Dragon Quest experience. <laughs> true. It's true. And again, it's in the movie. Like, there's a segment of him, yeah. you know, grinding it out. And it's, uh, again, my favorite, favorite segment. How many awesomes out of awesomes are we going to give this movie, Kevin? Oh, snap. Uh, <laughs> like... I don't want to go with the obvious one, but... <laughs> go ahead and say it. Say it. I was going to say it. Dragon Quest 5 out of 5 of awesome. That's right. <laughs> it really That's isn't. That's right. It really isn't that good. <laughs> it's like a 7 out of 10, not a 5 out of 5. <laughs> Dragon Quest 5 out of 11. Yeah. <laughs> Dragon Quest, you left out the best girl and the best child. I hope you're happy. <laughs> out of awesome. I... The only number two separate can, characters, by the way. Um, not the only number I can come up with is like three or four time skips out of awesome, but that's that sounds too snarky because I actually did enjoy this. Yeah, it's, it's weird, right? It's it's really stupid that you can't get past like you know the eighty percent of that movie that's really good. Yeah, if you just if you just like slice off the ending, it's just a it's such a small slice of movie. Like roll credits after that, it's it's so much better it doesn't like leave you confused they they should do like a director's cut just call it dragon quest story you can leave the year and the title graphic just <laughs> exit out and then just like cut out that scene with uh the the weird little vr shit and uh you know just cut just to, skip it. to oh, the yeah. happy celebration it's like then your kid's like daddy why did you skip 10 minutes in the movie it's like oh no no there's nothing there nothing important you, you don't want to <laughs> that's not the story we're gonna give you that's not your story it's fine i mean i would also give it one big old bjorn of awesome bjorn oh yes bjorn the uh giant the swedish singer the behemoth 
I, I forget what they called him in the movie. <laughs> the big, giant, three-eyed moose monster. <laughs> like, the, if you look at the water parts, it's balloon, but they say Bjorn in the subtitles. But, Ooh. you know, it's it's such a good monster design. And... It is a good monster design. I'm glad he comes back at the end just to be like, Haha, remember me? I was awesome. I'm from the good part of the movie. <laughs> and I'm going to chunk... Uh, Yo, Harry's like freaking ship onto this floating like bad continent thing. There's a, just boom. There we go. Let's do this. Everyone you ever met in the movie has showed up to help. <laughs> it's in game. See that? I mean, I know we're okay. Tail end, so a little late to be talking about. But that thing, when the whole family comes together to start fighting monsters, and everyone they've ever met in the story shows up to help. That's just awesome. That whole sequence is great. <laughs> uh, it's it's good stuff. I'm really now looking forward to watching the Lupin the third, the first movie, since this is another movie by uh, Takashi Yamazaki. But he's already more or less said, yeah, I really like Castle Cagliostro, but I can't just make Castle of Cagliostro. So I changed a couple of things here and there. Anyways, this is my fun loop and CG film. I hope you enjoy. And that's fine. You know, I've gotten plenty of non, you know, Miyazaki Lupin now. I can deal with the Miyazaki Lupin again. And I'm thinking, man, I've talked to a lot of friends. Everyone seems to enjoy this movie by and large. No yeah. one's complained that it's an isekai at the end. So either A, there's not an isekai at the end, or B, everyone's very down with being isekai into a Lupin thing, which, I mean, okay, cool, valid. I hope I get to be hot Jigen if I'm isekai into Lupin. Right? So, <laughs> it sounds good either way, so I'm excited to watch it. So, thanks, Dragon Quest, your story. Now I can watch this Lupin story. <laughs> Out of awesome. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So this has been the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. Like we mentioned up top, check out our Discord. You can also check us out on Twitter, AwesomeCast. I'm at It's Basil Time. Kev's at Twitless underscore Kevin. Dylan's at Dylan Wolf. John's at J5 is live. Other things that you can do is check out These RVG on Twitch for John, Mike, Dylan, all sorts of awesome people playing video games on Twitch for their amusement, but also your amusement as well. Theme song was composed by DJ Inabito. You can find it at djinabito.com. Edited by my wonderful wife, Anna, who is just the best, and I'm sorry we talked for so long. Frankly, blame Third Impact. They sent us a ton of really good questions. Also, Third <laughs> Impact, it's another good podcast that you should listen to. They just had an episode where they interviewed the uh, one of the ha one of the people from the Blade Licking Feast podcast, Grant, and that was a good interview with Bill. Bill, I can be interviewed too. So can John. Actually, scratch that. You should just interview John. It's he is John is the greatest living interviewer, as stated by Luca, star of uh, Dragon Quest Story. That's uh. right. So it's by it's about. Damn time that someone interviewed John. That's not Micah Solasad. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Anyways, folks, this has been the Awesome Cast. First, thank all of y'all who've been talking with me. Thank y'all for coming. Thank you for everyone who is listening for listening. 
And until next time, we're out. God damn it, Kevin! That is <laughs> wrong. That that is not it. I feel like I would definitely recognize the Dragon Warrior level up noise. Da, 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 da. That's yeah, it. That's I it. I can't remember off the top of my head. It says, sadly, it says a lot that I that meant. That's what I meant to do, and somehow the Final Fantasy level music came up out of my mouth instead. <laughs> <laughs>